Elijah wanted to get away. He ran, he ran for his life. And yet, as he ran, he found out that it was in the running that he encountered the God who asks, why are you here? And we're going to address that question tonight. That's why it's on the board behind me. I have a couple of answers to throw at you. The first is this. Why are you here? Are you running for your life? In this passage, God's prophet has been utterly routed by Queen Jezebel's threat. Not an army, not even a goon squad, not even a goon, just a threat. You're going to be, you're going to be killed. You're going to die. 
And just in that threat, he's terrified, he, he's, he just shakes, he quivers, and he runs away. I don't know if he's screaming like a little girl, but he ran away. Little girls, I'm sorry. <laughs> he took his servant with him at first, and they ran all the way down to Beersheba, and then he left the servant behind, maybe thinking, well, you don't have to run from the threat. You stay here and have fun at the Taco Bell, and I'm gonna keep on going. And he ran off long and hard into the desert. Finally, exhausted and spent, he came to the end of his rope. He sat down on the ground under the shade of a broom tree. No, that's not a tree that grows brooms. If you've seen the scrub oak in Colorado, it's a lot like that. It's not much of a tree and it's not much shade. But he sat down under that shade tree and he said, Take me now, Lord, I'm done. I haven't got anything left. The, 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 the queen is going to kill me. The threat is still there. I'm living in fear. I'm just done. <laughs> and then he went to sleep. If you've had a time in your life where you've been traumatized and you're kind of in shock, you know that sleep is a welcome thing. For the prophet, fear, isolation, and, and, and that threat ever present in his mind just wore him down even more than the miles he ran. And exhaustion took its toll. And here he was at the end of human endurance. And it was in that moment, sleeping off the threat, that the angel of the Lord came. He didn't do much. He didn't part the Red Sea. He didn't make thunder and lightning. No fire came from heaven. But a little bit of campfire over here baked a loaf of bread and a little bit of cold water and a little shake on the shoulder. Hey, Elijah, wake up, wake up. Have a drink. Have some food. Take a break. Elijah did that. He ate, he drank, and he went to sleep. Some of y'all out here tonight, you wish you could sleep like that, don't you? He was woken up a second time by the same angel who baked the same kind of food, laid, laid that loaf of bread right out there and that jug of water right there, and he said, wake up, prophet, wake up. You need to eat this stuff because the journey's too much for you. It's too big a trip. The, the threat is too great. The fear is too awesome. The exhaustion is, is just too hard on you, and you've got miles yet to go. So eat and drink and then let's hit the road. Only this time, there's a change. Instead of running from Jezebel's threat, Elijah's running to the goal that the angel, I think, set for him. Go that way. Maybe tonight, you've got some stress on you. How many of you freaked out when you saw the syllabi that Attila the professor handed to you? <laughs> Dr. King, I'm sorry, there were hands that went up back behind you. Yeah. <laughs> I notice it's always the ones right behind you, right? <laughs> Never the side. Maybe you came here with some stress about, you're, you're stressing the class load, you're stressing the syllable, syllabus requirements, not the syllable, but the syllabus. You're stressing family issues. You're stressing personal issues, health issues. Some, you're just stressing issues. And, and so much of it is a fear that you built up in your own head that it is crushing you in here. 
And when it's crushing you in here, it's also getting into your heart and it's crushing the heart out of you and it's just making you feel like a squash bug and you just want to cry out in the library or in the classroom or out in the parking lot or with your friends over at the Taco Bell. Just say, I've had enough, take me now. And trust me, if you haven't got there tonight, it's coming. <laughs> okay, that was universal. Okay. Can I tell you something? When the journey is too much for you, the Lord has rest for the stressed. That's not pop psychology. That's not feel-good religion. That's scriptural stuff. I know that because Jesus himself gave an invitation and a promise. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, stressed out and beat up and wore down. He says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. So the deal is, maybe you shouldn't be running from the troubles and the issues. Maybe you should be running to the Lord who has rest for your soul. Run for your life to Jesus. The second answer to that question, why are you here? I'm running for home. Strengthened by his encounter with the angelic caregiver, Elijah ran on. The scripture says he ran on 40 days and 40 nights. Wow, I want some of that food. <laughs> bread that gives that kind of energy. Don't you wish you had that, Dr. Graves? That's just, I want that loaf of bread. I want that drink of water. My water at my house tastes like sulfur. It just doesn't taste like it's going to give me energy. I think I could light it. You know? It's more like sterno fuel. <laughs> this was good stuff. This was angel-baked food. And it compelled the prophet to keep on going, keep on going, keep on. He's no longer running in fear. He's running to the Lord, propelled by the food of God, the bread of, and the water of life is his. Finally, mile after mile, day after day, week after week, a little more than a month, running and running and running, he came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Historically and traditionally speaking, Elijah had run home. It wasn't a big, ginormous, you know, he, impressive mountain like Pikes Peak back here in the hills, but it was mountain enough because in Elijah's mind it symbolized the power, the presence, and the promise of God. And that's where he was running. Jezebel was way back there miles away. Now I'm coming to God. I'm running to my Lord. And he ran to the mountain where it all began where the God of the Exodus created Israel and, and gifted them with his law, the Ten Commandments. It was where Moses, on that mountain, met God face to face and knew him as friend to friend. It was where Moses was hidden by the hand of God in the cleft of the rock. You remember that story? As the glory of the Lord passed by and Moses could look out and see God go. This is where Elijah ran. 
Rabbinic tradition says that Elijah, when he went into that cave, it says in the passage, but, but a lot of translators call it cleft. I don't know, cleft cave. It's a, it's, a, it's a hole in the rock and he went into it. They say that it was the same place where Moses was. So now Elijah standing in the footprints of Moses. And this is the first time we've seen Horeb since that event. And here, the prophet was hiding himself in the cleft of the rock, and yet he received what I think he was hoping for, a personal encounter with Yahweh himself. Why are you here, Elijah? And you know the story, how Elijah poured out his fear to the Lord, that Jezebel threatened me and all the prophets are killed and I'm the only one left and God, just take me into heaven now, let's get it over with. And he poured out all that fear and all that baggage and all that garbage and all that stuff that was weighing down his heart and soul. And God, in response, reveals his strength and power to the prophet in mighty wind and fire and earthquake, and yet he wasn't really in any of those things. You see, God is not the God of special effects. He's the God of relationship. After all the special effects went by, little voice, so still, so gentle, so small. What are you doing here, Elijah? I don't know what that does to you. As I read that story, it just connects with my heart. Because I've been there. I've been shot at. I've had a gun at my throat, in my, in my face, a knife at my throat, and all kinds of awful things in ministry happen. But good things happen too, you know. But there are those times you go home at night and you wonder, what in the world just happened today? Lord, really? Maybe you should just come back and end it now, huh? Take me. <laughs> and then that still small voice comes up. What are you doing? I'm here. I'm enough. Let me tell you something. God does not abuse the already abused. Did you know that? A bruised wick he doesn't snuff out. A smoldering wick, bruised wick, it doesn't make any sense. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, our God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our sorrows and all of our stresses and all of our burdens and all of our anxieties and all of our perceptions of threatening stuff. He's there for you in his Holy Spirit. In the fulfillment of Jesus' promise, it said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you my spirit, the comforter, to comfort you in all of your stresses. The God of comfort and compassion fulfills his promise by coming here to restore you, to renew you, even to repurpose your life. It is in running to him that we find the healing that, that our hearts crave, the help for our troubled souls, and the, the real purpose, the reason why we're here. So then the question, why are you here, takes on tremendous significance. 
I am here because I run to my Lord, and I want to be in the arms of the comforter of my soul. Okay, a third answer. It's really not an answer. It's why are you here times two. Through this questioning process, you know, he asked Elijah twice. It's not just that God thought Elijah was deaf or something, just that Elijah needed to hear God speak. And he needed that question. And through this questioning process, God heals Elijah, he strengthens him, he, he reassures his prophet, but then he does something else. He does something wonderfully cool, awesome, and tremendous. He so changed this guy that he can send him back to the ministry field, and he sent him back the very path that he went. Only this time, it was not to, to, to face your fear, to, to look at the threat, to look at the bad guys, it was to go out and anoint kings, anoint a successor, to assure God's people that he was in charge, that he was coming to redeem them from their oppressors, and that God, in fact, would be Lord of his people. The prophet had purpose again. And then there was a new power, and if you read after this, he's no longer focused on himself. He's looking beyond that. He's looking at life, I'm, I'm gonna use it this, say it this way, He's looking at his life, his ministry, and everything around him through heavenly eyes. He's no longer looking at things from an earthly point of view. He's looking at things now from a heavenly point of view. He's seeing things the way God wants us to see things. You see, there was still work for him to do, but the work was beyond him until an encounter with the Lord. In that encounter, the prophet was repurposed and repowered and re-energized so that he could be the conduit of God's grace to his people. And I'll tell you a secret. Those of you who are how many of you are called to ministry tonight? Students? A bunch of hands. I want to tell you something. First of all, the call is beyond you. All of us who've had that call, lived with it all these years, we know this. You're going to do stuff that if, if I told you right now what you were going to be facing in the years ahead, you'd run out of here screaming and say, no way, man, take me now. <laughs> It'd be all over. But here's the deal. The God who calls you will power you. He who gives you purpose gives you power. I know we're going to get tired and we're going to get weary in the term ahead, the year ahead. Academia is going to take its toll on us. We're going to feel the pressure. And, and a lot of you are going to wear many different hats. You're going to, you're going to wear parent or, or child. You're going to wear uh, the, the job hat, the student hat, the ministry hat, all these different hats. You're trying to juggle all these different things and make it all happen, make it all fit. And you're still wondering, how am I going to pay for all this? And we're going to be tempted and you can come talk to me later. It's all right. I have an office over here in Sanders. You're going to be tempted like Elijah to say, I'm the only one here. I can't take it anymore. I just need to quit. God, it's too much. Well, I challenge you, instead of staying in that pity party and running from the, the, the fear and the threats that you create in your own mind, 
Allow the Lord to reassure your faith, to recharge your spirit, to repurpose your life to His call, to His work, to His good plans for you, the plans that give a future and a hope. How do I do that? By running to the God of the gentle voice. There you will find, I promise you, you will find restoring power, godly provision, and holy purpose. Amen? God has work for you to do. Work that's beyond you. But the God who calls is the God who empowers, and in a personal encounter with him, he will give you that power. Once you surrender yourself, like the prophet, God, I'm all yours. Well, here we are tonight, standing at the threshold of this new term, new school year, new classes. I don't know what else is new for you, but a bunch of change is happening right now. Some of you are here for the very first time, and you're a little apprehensive about what's going to happen in this class, that class, the other class. But you know what? It is so cool that you are here because you're following the Lord. You've come to his mountain. This is God's hill, this, this, this little mountain that we're on. This is God's hill. He set this place apart decades ago to put this college here for this time and this place so that you could have a place where you could meet him, be trained by godly people, and go out and do what God has called you to do. It's wonderful. But when you feel the stress of that and the pressure and the, of the anxiety comes upon you, I invite you, take a moment and just seek out that fresh encounter with the God who hides our souls in the cleft of the rock. Tonight I'm opening the altar. I'm pastor of the college, I can do that. This is altar time here. This is what these altars are for. They're time for you to come, kneel before the Lord, open your heart before him, lay your anxieties, concerns before him, and say, Lord, I'm here for you. Renew me. Recharge me. Repurpose me. Make me to be what you've called me to be.